Matthew 24, beginning in verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of no were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Look at this, our thought this morning, verse 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. We pray, God, that you would take this word and apply it to our lives. But, God, we know and understand that it is our own responsibilities that we would have prepared hearts to receive your precious word. Lord, that we have come in here ready and prepared spiritually to receive your word. And God, we just pray in this time that you would cleanse us and clarify our minds, Lord, as we share the truth and the goodness of your gospel. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be focused upon the truth of this season, most importantly, your son Jesus and the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' names. Amen. I share with you this morning with the help of the Lord a thought, consider Christ, consider Christ. As I read through the book I have mentioned multiple times by J.C. Ryle, his Christmas Thoughts book, I've been reading and discovering that times in the 1850s were not much different than 2023. People were distracted by their own endeavors. People were distracted by their own interests. They were distracted by their own desire. The same 150, 200 years ago as they are today. Distractions. The devil's always known if he can get people distracted and he can get people caught up in things that in essence are not important. Christmas has become this season and time of year where we get distracted on things and get thinking about things and considering things that really just aren't important. We think about things that they have no spiritual significance, they have no biblical significance, and you turn a good thing, a great thing, into just another thing. And so I, I want to challenge us as we continue through this Christmas series that we would all come in and listen to the truth of God's word for the individual service and that his word could speak into each day of our life that we could look to him and think upon Christ and consider Christ. Brother Sam's going to come in the next coming weeks and he's going to help in part of this Christmas series and it's an excitement to know that God's delivering messages and burdening hearts to have Christ as the center of this Christmas season. The most important thing that we find about our lives individually, but also especially in this Christmas season, is that we not let it blow by without considering Jesus Christ. 
the reason for the season, the one that uh, created the earth, the one that created you and created me, the one who has allowed this blessed time. And we had our uh, Sunday school Christmas party last night. And if you were there, you know that we sang hymns, uh, we, we sang uh, uh, carols together. And just in that sweet time of Christmas music, even as we heard this morning, it blesses my heart and, 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 and I'm filled with the Spirit of God when I hear these wonderful songs, especially Silent Night. That song, my favorite part of that song is when it says, Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. You see, you will catch me at times listening uh, to, to the Jackson 5 Christmas music. Amen? Amen? Uh, uh, I like Bing Crosby. I like Nat King Cole, but I like Silent Night so much more because the, the truth and the goodness of God reminding me as I listen to this song and I think about Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Consider Christ this morning. Think of him in this Christmas season. And he knows that we will enjoy time together. He knows that, that we will be festive. He knows that we will uh, uh, be excited about certain things, but what we should be most excited about in this Christmas season is Christ. Mr. Ryle, he said in his book, he said, There are many things which swallow up men's thoughts while they live, which they will think little of when they are dying. Many things distract us today, many things on our minds, many things that we're even in this moment thinking of. I've got things on the horizon that, that, that if, I'm, if I don't put them into their, their rightful place and get them out of my mind, I will carry them into my worship. And I will at times disconnect from my worship because I'm carrying the wrong things into my worship. These things that matter so much in this moment, they will mean nothing when I die. And they would mean nothing if Christ were to come and get his church right now. I shared Wednesday night about, sorry, this is just a repeat for Wednesday night. But, uh, but I walked out on the front porch and I heard in the distance from the east a sound that, that was a machine. Later I discovered it was a machine. And it sounded like the deep bellow of a trumpet, a horn. And, and in a split second, I was brought to terror because I thought, oh my goodness, I might face Jesus. But in the next second, I was brought to joy because I was reminded because of the blood of Jesus applied upon my heart that I might face Jesus. How quickly things can change. How quickly we could walk out these doors and drop dead on the front porch. How quickly we could drive home and we eat this meal and we go home and we try to catch a few hours of a nap and we try to catch a few hours of a ball game and we try to do, uh, do something for a little while and, and occupy our minds until we come back at 3.30 or at 5 o'clock. But you may not live until that appointed time. You see, we appoint a lot of things upon this earth. I'm going to be here at 3.30. I'm going to be here at 5. I'm going to be here when I'm, when I'm done preaching. Hey, my last breath might be up here. And I've told you, I'd rather just die up here. I'd like to die doing what I love to do. But that my last breath may be drawn before I leave this church. What think ye of Christ? Consider him. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. He tells us to watch for his return. Because we do not know, we, can be not, we cannot be certain 
when we will hear that trumpet sound. We cannot be certain the exact moment when our, our heart will beat its last beat, where we will draw our last breath. And so I would, turn, I would hope that we would turn our minds to the coming of Christ. What think ye of Christ? Why think of him during this Christmas season? Well, the first thing is found in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The first reason we should consider Christ in this Christmas season is that he is the mediator between us and God. He is the mediator between us and God. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Our only way to God, our only way to salvation, our only way to eternity, our only way to avoid condemnation and damnation and hell is through Christ. He is the foundation. That was laid by God his Father. And God looks down upon me. If I don't know Jesus, God looks upon me and I, I owe a debt I cannot pay. He looks down upon me and God is a loving God and a merciful God. But I cannot experience the love and the mercy of God without Jesus Christ. I must have the blood applied to me to experience God's love and his mercy. Amen. Without it, I am doomed to die and to go to hell. But we think so often because the devices of the devil, we think that, well, I'm going to have time. I'm going to have time to get there. I'm going to have time to grow up. I'm going to have time to, to, to sow my wild oats. I was talking to Jake before the service. Jake's about to turn 17 years old. He said, Josh, I'm getting old. <laughs> Dwayne was standing there. I said, you're not old until you get old as, as old as Dwayne. What a joy and blessing it is that birthdays happen. People come up here and a number of people walk up this morning celebrating a birthday. Praise the Lord. But I ask you to consider Christ because we're not promised another hour, another minute, another second upon this earth. If I live to my birthday this year, I've lived another year. God's given me mercy and grace to live yet another year. And I hope I live a long time because you start having kids and you got a family and you got a wife, you realize there's a lot I want to hang around and see and enjoy. But also, I may not make it to 29. I may not make it to 30. I may not make it to 35. One of my spiritual heroes, Robert Murray Machane, great Scottish preacher, he died at 29 years old. Pastor in a church. God blessed him. God was blessing the ministry. He died in, I think, 1832. He was 29 years old. And he preached a message during his life about being sober concerning the thought of our death. And he preached a message to people that they would think about the fact that they may die, that they may not live as long as they think they will live, that, that, that God may call them home a lot sooner than they would like to go home. He himself died at 29 years old. The, the community he was in, Dundee, Scotland, was shaken to its core because this beloved young pastor with all these prospects and all this future, I don't want to die at 29, I'm just telling you. I'm coming up, I'm a month away, and I'm, uh, 
I'm preaching this message. I don't really want to go at 29, but God has used his death. That, that country, they still know who he is. The people there still talk about him, and, and, and they, they, the people, generations have been passed down because of the stories of how God used him and how he was willing to serve the Lord. But he was sober that there was a time stamp upon every life. And the only way that we get out of this life without condemnation and hell is through Jesus Christ, our mediator. He is, his, his position at this moment is the, at the right hand of his father and he is speaking on behalf of you and me. He's sitting there and he looks down upon his children and he says, that's my child. They, that, that, he, he pleads his blood. He tells his story. He, he prays upon our behalf. When we call upon him, we have an audience with God the Father because of Jesus Christ. What love that is. What a manner of love that is. But the reality is if you don't know Jesus, he wants to be a mediator for you. He wants to be a mediator for you. And his Holy Spirit is here and he is working upon hearts and lives and souls, drawing through conviction for, for someone to come and to be saved, to accept Christ as their Savior. You know what you gain when you gain Jesus? You gain a mediator. Don't live life without a mediator. You see, we think we can handle everything. Am I right? I can talk my way out of anything. I can buy my way out of anything. I can run away from anything. That's not the case. The devil wants pride to, to come into us. And it's, it's not just young people. It's not just y'all. There's a lot of old people full of pride. I've seen a lot more old people full of pride. And young people be humble. People like to point fingers. There's a lot of people that live their whole lives and they mature to a, to a ripe old age and they die and go to hell because they're too prideful to come down to an altar and get saved. We have a mediator. All the problems you go through in your life, all the issues that you'll ever face, if you're walking through life with Jesus, you're never without God. He is constantly and consistently a mediator on your behalf. And, and, and not only do we have, just have Jesus as our mediator, but we've got his precious Holy Spirit, who when you have a day, sorry, front row, you sit here, you're going to get preached to. When you have a day that you can't explain, you ever have one of those days? You just can't explain it. Nobody knows how you're feeling. Mom and Daddy don't understand how you're feeling. The teacher got mad at you for something, and you just can't understand. Everybody's mad at you. You go home, somebody put something on Facebook you can't understand. They're talking to you. They're talking about you. They're complaining about you. You know what I mean? Y'all don't use Facebook. Use Instagram. Somebody put something on, on Instagram, and, it, and it's bothered you because you think they're talking about you. Mom and Dad don't understand. The teacher don't understand. Let me tell you, if you're walking through life with Jesus, he understands. And he's our mediator. Who would not walk through, who would not want to walk through life with someone speaking up on behalf of them? You know, it's a good thing to have friends. It's a good thing to know people. It's a good thing to, to be connected. You can't get more connected than you can get when you're connected with Jesus. I mean, you have a direct line to the throne to the throne room. COVID's, it's almost gone. You have a direct line to God. He's our mediator. Why think of Christ? Because he's our mediator between us and God. Also, 
He is the sacrificial lamb who died for all men. You see, one of the biggest problems, and my wife and I was talking about this last night on our way home. We're talking about one of the biggest problems with the church, and, and as in not Mountain View Baptist Church, but the church as a whole. It's here, I, I guarantee it's me sometimes. The church as a whole, the Christian church, is we have such a low view of God, and we will not be honest with how wicked we are as human beings. So many Christian people spiritually are weak as dishwater, spiritually, because they will not be honest about how wicked they are. Because nobody likes to be told how wicked they are. And some preacher starts preaching about how wicked we are. People say, I might have to find another church. If that's as deep as your relationship goes, I'd check up on if you know him at all. That's controversial preaching if you don't know. But you do know. You know. Our flesh don't like that. Our flesh doesn't like to think we're wicked. But I'm afraid a lot of people... They have such a low view of God because they've not been honest with themselves about how wicked they are. And if you've never been honest with how wicked you are, you probably are not saved. Because you cannot come to Jesus Christ as your Savior without admitting that you are wrong, that you are wretched, that you are wicked, that you're in need of a Savior. Being righteous and being saved, being self-righteous and being saved, they do not go together. My righteousness is as filthy rags. The only thing righteous about me is Christ who dwells within me. But I had to be honest with my wickedness first and foremost. I'm not always good at it. You see, you're a Christian long enough, you're going to realize one day you're going to think you're righteous. Man, I know. I'm the only one that knows. I'm the only one that has an answer. I'm the only one that believes. You see, he is our sacrificial lamb, and that should humble us when we think about our Savior coming into this earth and being born into a manger on our behalf. And his birth is not the most important thing. It is an important thing, but his birth it be not being the most important thing in his life, it is leading up to his death, which leads up to his resurrection, which is the most important thing about our Savior, Jesus Christ. He was our sacrificial lamb. He came everything that I've ever done wrong. He came and he willingly, willingly gave his life for everything that I committed. Every sin I've ever committed, every way that I've ever transgressed God, every way that I've ever disappointed him and I've hurt him, in every way, in every form, in every fashion, he gave his life, our sacrificial lamb. When he was nailed to the cross, it was my sin that nailed him to that cross. With each time the, the nails were struck by the hammer, driven into his hands and driven into his feet, when his side was, was, was split open, that was all because of me. And each of those lashes being spat upon, being hung upon the cross, being mocked, each and every word, each and every attack, each and every feeling of pain that his physical human body felt, he did that for me. And the only way that we truly understand Christ when we consider him is when we consider what he did upon the cross. We'll get to that, back to that in just a moment. A time is coming when all men will be forced to think upon Christ. A time is coming 
when all men will be forced to think upon Christ. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. You hit a heart attack, you don't tell your body, well, hold on just a minute. Some people do. That don't usually end well. But you, have, you start having a heart attack. You start having a stroke. You fall up and, and go limp. and You don't say, well, hold on, body. Hang on just a minute. I'm finishing something. We try, but it don't work. When the body breaks, the body breaks. We can't control it. You see, I'm afraid so often people consider Christ at this point of breaking. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I believe in deathbed salvation. There's a lot of people don't. See, we serve a God. I mean, faith without works is dead. But I'm saved by grace through faith. There's a man hanging on a cross beside Jesus. He didn't do nothing. Didn't go to church, didn't get baptized, never tithed, never lived a good life, never helped anybody, never impressed by the Spirit to go see someone, call them on the phone, send them a text message, he, nothing. He's in heaven. I believe that. But I also believe that's not the way God intends on Christian people to, to come to know Christ. He doesn't, wanna, he doesn't want us to wait till we're hanging on a cross to know him. He wants to know us now. And see, unfortunately, for some people, it's too late when they, they're, they're hanging there between the balance. They've turned away from it. They've rejected him. But at death, each and every person will be forced to think upon Christ. If you're a saved person, that's a joyful thing. Man, what a beautiful thing that is. Death is a beautiful thing when you know Jesus. The only solace you can get in death is through Christ. I mean, people say, well, I, I mean, I knew this, or they did this, they did that. Hey, there's people, a lot of people did a lot of things. But the only way you can walk away from a funeral thinking, man, I'm, I'm relieved for them, is through Christ, through salvation, through knowing where they are. See, also, when that trumpet sounds, we'll be forced to think upon Christ. What did he say here? He said, he said, and, and knew not until the flood came, verse 39, and took them all away, so shall also the son, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two shall be in the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. For the one that is taken, they will be forced to think upon Christ, because, hold on, Lord, I'm almost done. No. Hold on just a minute. Give me just a minute. I'm almost done. Could you imagine being that one standing there? The one beside you gone? The one grinding at the mill? The weight of that mill comes all down on one person. Where'd they go? We also see scripturally that delusion will be sent upon the people here upon the earth. But even for just a split second when God's people are taken home uh, by way of the rapture, what would be in the minds of people that are taken? You'll be forced to think upon Christ. Those that are left here for a split second. I wonder, holy smokes. They're gone. Disappeared. If it's like my job, previous job, they'll post, post an opening that next Monday. And they will. You see, the thing is, the world's going to keep rocking and rolling. 
The Antichrist will rise. Delusion will be sent across the face of the land. And everyone will turn and look to him as the answer. But anyone who has been raptured out of this place will be forced to look upon Jesus Christ because there will be no choice. It is over. And thank the Lord. We look upon him and his grace and his mercy. And he looks down upon us and he sees the blood applied by salvation. I thank the Lord for that promise. But there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When you draw your last breath or when God calls his children home, it's over. That's it. Consider Christ this Christmas season. He's our mediator. He's our sacrificial lamb. And there's coming a day you will be forced to face it, whether it be good or be bad. Continuing on here, what are the common thoughts of the Christmas season? The world is the primary religion in our day. And Christ is blasphemed even by those in the church, by the way that they live, the way that they carry themselves, and the way that they think of him. Jesus is a character in a Christmas tale. Jesus is a character in a Christmas tale. He is, to so many people, just a moving piece in the cog of the Christmas season. He is just simply a log thrown onto the burning fire of our memories. The coldness of this season bites and we begin to think about what we haven't achieved this year. And we begin to think about how we've lost things and people and certain things in this past year and how things have changed and our job has changed and our financial situation has changed and our marriage relationship has changed. And we begin to stoke fires with memories, with good times. We begin to build fires with the thoughts of Christmas is past and where we'd been and what we'd done and what we'd received and what we'd given. And Jesus Christ himself becomes one of those logs thrown onto that fire. In other words, he's just thought of and it keeps us warm to think about him. Well, think about Jesus. Think about the nativity. And he's just something that in our minds he's just thought of and brings us warmth and he goes away. That's not the intention of considering Christ during the Christmas season. He is our sustainer throughout this whole season and this whole time. He is the reason for this season. He is the reason for every day, for every season, for every month, every year. Everything that takes place upon this earth, it all centers around Jesus Christ. And if you can truly sit there and tell me, well... I have thought about Jesus this whole Christmas season. You're doing better than me. I've had to realize that I, I have to make a conscious effort to put him in his rightful position. But I'm going to tell you something else about Jesus during the Christmas season. We make priorities to put other things where we want them. We will not forget the gifts. We will not forget the wrapping paper. We will not forget the bows. We will not forget the tree. We will not forget the lights. We will not forget the events. We will not forget the food. We definitely won't forget the food. We will not forget anything 
but we will forget Jesus. And the, what I've learned and become, come to understand is it's all about our priorities. What do we prioritize most? What we love and what we desire. And if you're loving and you're desiring Jesus, he will be at the top of your priority list. And you'll have to keep yourself in check. I'm getting a little too far here. I'm getting a little too far there. But what, what if, the, what if the, the, the Thanksgiving, who puts up the tree on Thanksgiving? Just a few people. The remnant. The remnant of faithful people. Who puts it up before Thanksgiving? Oh, well, there's the re- that's the real church right there. Who puts it up in December? Who puts up your Christmas tree in December? All right. So I'm preaching to everybody, myself included, because we all putting trees up. If only, whatever time it is, fall, Thanksgiving, December, preaching to a bunch of different denominations, July, Sam said, wherever you fall, you know that thought you have, man, that warmth you feel inside, I'm ready to get that tree up. I'm ready, I'm ready for that tree to, to, to shine its light through our house. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for all the, the festive things of this Christmas season to be here. If only we would think, man, I'm ready for Jesus to, to get here. I'm ready for the light of our Savior to shine through our home. I'm ready to turn the lights down low. Everything is off. All I can hear is the crackling of the fire. Even if it's on YouTube, that's okay. All I can hear is the crackle of the fire in the background. And it's just me and Jesus. And it's Jesus lighting up this room. It's Jesus lighting up this house. It's Jesus lighting up my life. If only we could prioritize him where we want him to, where he needs to be. If only we could want him to be where he wants to be. With the nip of the fall hits and we begin to think about the Christmas season. We won't go out to the garage. We won't get up into the attic. But we will go to our word and we will open it up and say, Lord, make yourself known in my home during this Christmas season. He's just a character in this Christmas tale though the world's our religion today he is made low in the minds of many Christians another thing Mr. Ryle said in his book he said man is ready to believe anything about Christ except the simple truth our flesh you just do this, you'll be okay. If you just do this, you'll be okay. It's, it comes back to this we've been preaching on for so long, religion. Just doing things out of a religious mindset. If I could, well, we got the star on the top of the tree. We got, we got a cross up. We got our nativity up. I've got the family Bible open. But so many of us are so guilty Saying, Lord, I've got the guest room pre- prepared for you. The season moves in and, and, and we think of this Christmas season and the warmth of this time and we say, Jesus, I've got the guest room ready. He doesn't want your guest room. He wants your whole home. He wants everything. He wants to be inside. When the Christmas season comes, Jesus, the time that we celebrate your, your birth, it's here. It's here. 
dwell within us, dwell within our home. You're welcome here. Not, not put him under the, uh, over in the guest room, the mother-in-law suite. Pitch a tent out in the yard. He wants to dwell within us entirely. He wants everything about us. He wants our mind. He wants our heart. If you're saved, he has your soul. But he wants us to say, Lord, I, I give this time to you to worship and to celebrate you. And there's going to be times we're going to have fun. There's going to be times where we laugh. There's going to be times where I'm going to stumble to the couch because I ate so much i got to go to sleep and I'm going to have to repent for, for, for eating too much. He knows we're going to have a good time. He knows we're going to celebrate. He knows we're going to string lights and tinsel and set up Christmas trees. But what breaks his heart is that the time will pass and he will never be given his rightful position. The thoughts of a true Christian in this season, and I'm done. A follower of Christ should have high thoughts of Christ. Lord, I'm looking to you during this time. I'm lifting you up. I'm exalting you, Lord, to your rightful position. High and lifted up above my family. Because if you had not come into this world, I would be doomed. And Lord, I felt your grace and your mercy so much that I can't help but lift you high and up. I can't help but look to people and say, turn your life to Jesus and, and trust in Jesus and give your life to him. I can't help it. That's a mark of Christ being lifted high in someone's life. He, he should be a recipient of high thoughts, of hopeful thoughts. Lord, this time, uh, this year has changed. Things are different. Circumstances are not what they once were. There's, there's people missing at the dinner table, Lord. Things are different. This hurts. This, this hits different, God. Lord, I have hope because of the hope that I had when I was a seven-year-old boy that your son really did come and he really was born and he really did live and he really did die and he really did get up and walk out of the grave. I have hopeful thoughts. And a true Christian, they're going to have high thoughts of Christ and they're going to have hopeful thoughts of Christ. And while things change and seasons change, and isn't it amazing the blessings God gives us, though? Things change and times get, get difficult. We lose people, but also our family grows. We lose, but also God blesses. We hurt, but also God heals. We have, we have hard times, but also get, God gives happiness and gives peace. Well, that comes from having a high view of him and having hopeful thoughts of him. The last thing this morning is having heartfelt thoughts of Christ. Don't be religious about this you say you're dedicating all this time and all this preaching and all all these services they're all dedicated to to christmas really yes yes because the spirit has been working on me and how he has been dealing with me about having high thoughts of christ having hopeful thoughts of christ what happens is you start having heartfelt thoughts of christ and when you have heart that heartfelt, you, you have heartfelt thoughts for the people you love the most, amen? 
Yet Jesus is swept under the rug. We should have heartfelt thoughts of Christ. And that comes from having a high view and a hopeful view of Christ. If we can do that this year, we'll come into next season, next year. Lord willing, if, if, he, if he don't return and y'all don't tell him to go find somewhere else, we'll come in the next Christmas season with high thoughts, with hopeful thoughts, and heartfelt thoughts of Christ. And then we'll be able to appreciate the goodness and the grace and the peace that God wants to give upon earth during this Christmas season.